The peace of Christ be with you. As we gather in this place and folks continue to stream in, I invite you to slow down, to give yourself a gift of about three deep breaths, that you might fully arrive in this place in body and spirit, and that you might open yourself to the presence of the living spirit. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. In God we find our peace. In the way we learn to ensure all have enough. In the spirit, we find the courage to live differently. In community, we learn how to practice what Christ taught.
You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to Worship at Westminster. It is so good to be here together on this Sunday morning. If you're a visitor, a special welcome to you. I know we have several visitors with us today. If ever during the service you're wondering, like, why are we doing this or what does this mean? We have in the pews um, worship booklets that explain each and every part of the service. So there's just about a couple in each pew. So if you don't have one right in front of you, just ask your neighbor. They can hand you one. But if you're curious about why we do what we do, those will be helpful for you. I also invite you during the offering time, if you're sitting here in the center aisle, to take that pew register, sign it with your name, pass it down the aisle, and then pass it back and take a look at the names of people sitting near you. Maybe greet each other by name after worship. If you're new to us, if you want to leave some contact information, we're happy to reach out and let you know more about the church community. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Your self-sharing love, O oh God, is the source of our life and our identity. We have seen the fullness of your way in the world in Christ. We strive to model our own collective living in this image. Forgive us for when we have allowed selfish desires or excessive fears of scarcity drive our decision-making. Release us from being captive to ways that pit us against one another. Empower us to be an image of the resurrected Christ in the world. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, be assured that even when we walk through the deepest valleys, we do not need to fear, for God is with us. God's steadfast love never leaves us. And in Christ, we are forgiven. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's continue with our time of prayer and our sharing of joys and concerns. If you have a joy or concern that we can be in prayer with you, about and for and with, just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Meg. We had a wonderful small group dinner last night, mm -hmm. one of the spring, and it was at Bev Alexander's, and it was a joy to be with Westminster folks, and Patty was there, it was great to get to know our organism. Amen. We had a wonderful time. Amen. Meg's lifting up the joy of a small group dinner that happened last night. Uh, joy and a blessing, she says. And I'll just add on a reminder that we still have spots available. You can sign up after worship. Susan. Amen. So Susan lifts up prayers for a friend, Linda, who's having health trouble. Susan just saw Linda yesterday and says Linda asked her specifically to ask for the prayers of this congregation. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I want my 
Okay. Look at that. In case, in case you couldn't hear, it was prayers of joy for winning a baseball game with a home run and a triple. All right. Oh, so Rob's suggesting we pray for the other team. Yeah, that's a good point. No doubt. I said, Diane. Amen. <laughs> so, Sharon Terrell is back with us, has been on a globe-trotting adventure for months, and it is so good to have you back with us, Sharon. Amen. Anyone else? Yeah, Barbara. Barbara is requesting prayers for her niece, who was uh, recently hit by a car while riding her bike. She's out of the hospital, um, but she has an infant at home, and she's still not able to lift her infant. So prayers for her healing and recovery. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, just uh, joy and see Harbo Jim. Yes. We're we're lifting up the joy of Harbo being with us. Harbo has been having some health. Uh, issues, especially with your eye, and you continue to be in our healing prayers, Harbo, and it's good that you're here with us today. Kyle. Oh, yeah, amen. Kyle. I don't think I heard you. Say that one more time. Oh, your uh, nephew is coming to see you. Is that what you said? Nephew Teddy. Amen. That sounds exciting. Brand new baby born not long ago. Someone here? Yeah, Gwen. You? Yes. We're welcoming uh, friends here today, um, friends of Forrest and Deb. We got lots of friends of Forrest and Deb here today, so I want to extend that welcome to all of you. Yeah. Amen. Let's have just a few moments of quiet, and then, oh wait, did I miss one over here? Yes, sorry, Jim. Amen. We will, we, will, we will hear a lot more about this later, but Jim's offering prayers for Forrest and Deb, relatively new members of this congregation, especially lifting up the, the energy and love you've brought to our congregation. Amen. Let's take a few moments in quiet, and then we'll uh, pray together the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray. O good shepherd, you desire to guide us all into refreshment and to peace. May we welcome our sisters and brothers with your joy and offer our lives with your generosity as members of your beloved community. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power 
Now I'd like to invite any of the children worshiping with us to join me here at the front. Good morning. It is good to see you all today. Every now and then, I like to share a book with you guys. Um, and this is a little on the longer side, so I'm not going to have a chance to read the whole thing to you today. So I invite you maybe at some point to go to your library and check it out. Uh, it's called Desmond and the Very Mean Word. It's about a boy named Desmond who gets a new bike. All right, there's Desmond riding his bike. But as he rides down the street, he loves to ride his bike. As he rides down the street, he encounters some boys... And one of them, the red-headed boy, shouts at him a mean word. And it makes, it, it, it doesn't, the book actually doesn't say. He's wondering what the word is. We don't know. So, but Desmond's not feeling so good. So Desmond goes to visit his friend, Father Trevor. And Father Trevor's wondering, well, do you, I know they hurt your feelings. I know it feels bad. Do you think that you can forgive him? And Desmond says, no, never. I'm going to get them back. And Father Trevor says, oh, well, that's the problem, Desmond. You'll get them back. Then they'll get you back. And soon our whole world is going to be nothing but getting back. Hmm. So Desmond thinks about this. And the next day, he's riding his bike again, and he sees that same group of boys, including that redheaded boy. And what does he do? He screams at them the meanest word that he knows. And at first, he's feeling pretty good about it. But then the book says, soon he begins to feel something else. It wasn't a good feeling. The mean word, he said, left a bitter taste in his mouth, it says. So then he goes to see his friend, Father Trevor, again. And Father Trevor says, when people say mean words, it hurts us. But we have to remember, it doesn't make us any less lovable. Those words aren't true. But when, we, but when we hurt someone, it hurts us too. Hmm. So Desmond's thinking about it. And then he's riding his bike again the next day. And what does he see? He sees that same redheaded boy getting picked on by other boys. Hmm. Oh, no. Is it the same people? To Desmond's surprise, he feels sorry for that redheaded boy. Oh, hold on. What? Oh, my, what is happening there? So Desmond happens to run into that boy at the candy store, oh, my favorite place to be, um, and Desmond's thinking about how he had been mean to that redheaded boy and how the redheaded boy had been mean to him. And Desmond finally blurts out, it says, I'm sorry for what I said, and I forgive you, he says. And it says, as soon as the words are out of his mouth, Desmond felt a little stronger, a little braver, stood up a little taller. And then what does the boy do? He offers Desmond some of his candy. Hmm. So then it closes by saying, as the sun sets behind the houses, Desmond pedals home fast, not out of fear, but out of joy. All right, so that's just some of the story. Again, if you liked it, Desmond in the very mean word, I invite you to check it out, read the whole thing. He pedals home, not out of fear, but out of joy, having said he was sorry and having said that he forgives the boy. All right, so we're going to head to Sunday school now, and I invite you to meet your teachers there in the back, okay? Go now in peace, go now in peace.
The first reading is from the book of Psalms, a favorite, Psalm 23. Listen to what the Lord is saying to us today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from the book of Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 to 47. This takes place after the crucifixion, of course, and resurrection and some of the appearance stories. And the people are trying to figure out what will life look like and how to carry on, perhaps with images of that psalm and other Older Testament readings in their mind about what faithfulness might look like in this new era. And this is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed, all who trusted, were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as had any need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved, those who are being rescued. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I found myself annoyed this week, not at you, any of you. I, I was listening to a clip of a group that I really align with theologically. So it wasn't a theological disagreement, but rather what I felt is that they were falling into that trap that's so easy to fall into of just quickly dismissing or overlooking part of Scripture or part of Jesus' teachings that you just don't like. Now look, we all make decisions about what is central to the gospel and maybe what's uh, a secondary uh, lesson or maybe what's simply a cultural trapping of the era in which it was written. We all make those kinds of decisions, and that's an important part of the life of faith. But part of the gift of the gospel is that it stretches us beyond what we're comfortable with. So I caution you to be so quick to dismiss or explain away portions of the sacred story that make you uncomfortable. 
Today's passage from Acts is a perfect example. It's not the kind of passage the group I was listening to would dismiss. They would love this passage. I actually love this passage. But for many years in the church, in many places, you would have just glanced right over those words. Many churches skipped it all together in their collective worship, particularly at a certain time in this country. Why? Because it sounded too much like communism. Right? This is Marx. I remember having a New Testament professor who said they literally, when they would come to this, these lines and acts, they would just skip past them. He grew up in the 50s and 60s in this country. All who believed were together and held all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as had need. As had need. Not giving the possessions or the resources to those who deserved it or to those who worked the hardest or those who brought the most value to the community or even the kindest people or the most faithful people, the most loving people, as had need. That was the standard. Wow. Now, it's true that that way of being obviously dissipated over time. It didn't become the norm, even if it was originally intended to be the norm. And yes, it's true that perhaps it's, it's great in theory, but every practical attempt to live this out has struggled. Yes, maybe this has only happened at pockets for periods of time. We can say all kinds of things to make us feel comfortable with the fact we don't live like that. But just for a moment, before we blow right by it, stop and consider for a second that in the wake of Jesus' life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, when the people came together to figure out how to live in response to that, that's what they chose is their norm for life. That's what they thought it most looked like to emulate the way of Christ. Wow. I read an article a while ago from 2018 that quoted um, this line. It said, last year, so 2017, CEO pay at an S&P 500 index firm soared to an average of 361 times more than the average rank and file worker. An average salary of 13940000 We'll sell everything, we'll combine it, and we'll give it to whoever needs it. I'm tempted to call that radical, and that would be appropriate, but I'm uncomfortable with that word because it implies on one level that somehow what the people of Jesus were doing was counter to their nature. And I know that's the way the church has often talked, that, that what Jesus does is he pulls us from this rotten, corrupt, greedy, evil nature into a world that lives differently in a way of being that is different. But maybe, just maybe, what Jesus does is actually bring us home to our true nature. I mean, you could say we're created for avarice and malice, but 
Maybe we're also, or maybe we're really created for compassion and generosity and peacemaking and cooperation. So maybe what Jesus is doing is radical and what the people are doing is radical, but it's not counter to their nature. It's faithful to their true nature. And Jesus just brings us home to where we truly are and who we truly are. Maybe we're made for love. Maybe we're made for love. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've almost entirely stopped using the word love, which seems odd. I'm a pastor. You would think that would be in the, the right pocket. But it's so overused in our culture and over-sentimentalized and it's turned to both syrupy and paper thin at the same time that it's lost all its substance. People will say, well, we just need love, but with no indication of what that actually means and actually looks like. We don't have the, the luxury of dismissing it, though, because at, at the core, Christianity is about love. Without it, we're just a self-righteous purity cult or a self-righteous group of people who are fighting for a way but have lost all touch with the way. So we have to try to understand it. It's not those things I mentioned a moment ago, and there's more that needs to be said about it to restore its substance and its gravity than we could possibly say today, unless you want to be here all day, and you don't want to be here all day. If I were to distill it, what I would say is love is a way of seeing beyond the narratives of separateness. Seeing beyond the narratives of separateness and living in a way that considers one's impact compassionately on the world around other people, other creatures, the world itself. In fact, even our own selves. We do plenty of violence to our own selves. We become separate if you can imagine that, from our true selves. Love is a way of seeing past that and living in a way that's gracious and merciful and courageous and just towards the other. And the other, of course, is an illusion. And it is our mandate as the people of Jesus to ritualize love. Because that's how we keep reinforcing it within us and so that it overflows out of us into the world when we're out in the world. Just as the past two weeks, we've ritualized resurrection. We've performed baptisms in each of the past two weeks. And part of what we've said is this is how we ritualize the truth of resurrection. That God brings from the dead things to live again and to live in a new way. We practice it so it gets in us, so we recognize it already happening in the world and we can participate in it. And so that's what we're going to do today. When I perform marriages, I've taken to saying there are two miracles that take place. The first miracle is finding the other to love. It kind of happens to you. You find someone miraculously who would be willing to make that level of commitment to you. For some of us, it's a bigger miracle than others. <laughs> the second miracle is the one you enact, not just in the moment when you make your vow, but the next morning and the next morning. And in fact, in every moment when you recommit yourself to nurturing the gift of that first miracle. And here's the thing. 
That's true with all love, not just romantic love, which we kind of put on this pedestal in this culture as if it's the only or the most worthy form of love, and it's beautiful and sacred, but actually love has many forms, and why would we deny all those other important ways of loving playing out in the community and in our lives? So actually, you can take that lesson I use for marriages and put it to practice in your own life, thinking about where it is you've been gifted with the opportunity to practice love and where we as, as communities have been gifted that opportunity and what can we do to make vows to live into it for a more just, peaceable, and beautiful world. But since I've already opened the can on marriages, let's go down that road to mix metaphors. Because we're going to ritualize love in that form right now. Forrest Craig and Deb Newton wed during the pandemic, that altered state of being in which there's so many things that were deprived of us. And one of the things that was deprived of them was a marriage ceremony in a sacred setting. And that's at the heart of their relationship. And in fact, that kind of celebration should happen in the context of a faithful community. Because like any uh, actually, like any piece of life, it takes a community to nurture it and support it and to really receive the width of God's blessing upon it. So they've asked and we've agreed to allow them to bring that moment into the context of our cor corporate worship, which is a gift to us and a gift to them. So in a few moments, after I say amen, we'll invite some folks up and we're going to bless their union together as their people, as their congregation. But before we do, I want you to take just a few moments, 30 seconds, and pray about where God might be inviting you to recognize, honor, and practice love. It could be romantic, it could be platonic, it could be communal, it could be activist-oriented. Where is it that the Christ is asking us to make our own commitment in what might be our role in that. And after that time of quiet, I'll say amen and we'll move into our time of blessing. Let's listen together. Amen. This time I'm going to invite a few folks forward. First, our musicians to get ready. I'll invite Forrest to come and stand up here. I'm going to invite uh, Forrest's uh, um, wedding party, I'll say. These are men from his Curcio, which is an ecumenical faith group, uh, to come forward and stand with him in support, and some family members as well to come gather around. Deb wanted me to mention with you uh, to you that uh, some of those who will be escorting her down the aisle are some gentlemen from our Wednesday morning adult study class. A lovely image of how this church, yeah, just find a space and that you can stand behind, that's all good as well.
I'm going to put on my garb too so I fit in here. All right. Whenever you're ready, let the processional begin. Look how happy you've made people. And I hope you would all know that we will show up for love in your life like this as well. Hear these words from Scripture. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Friends, we've gathered here today to worship God. And one of the ways we worship God is to honor and celebrate key moments in our lives. As I mentioned before, Forrest and Deb did not have this opportunity during COVID, so we give it to them today, but as you're already experiencing, they are giving it to us today as well. It's our job to make space and time to honor, revere, and commit to love. So today we honor and bless Forrest and Deb. We seek God's blessing. We're here to witness their vows to pledge our support and seek God's blessing upon them. From the beginning, God created us for relationship, and we know that relationship comes in many forms. God models for us faithful relationship 
by first keeping covenant with us. Jesus offered himself as a gift to the world in love and taught us both the power of transformation, forgiveness, and fidelity. The Spirit is with us, renewing us and enabling our growth in growth and love. So, Deb and Forrest, I ask you now to declare your intentions for one another. Deb, you first. Do you desire to enter the covenant of marriage, giving of yourself in every way with mutual love and respect? If so, please say, I do. And Forrest, do you desire to enter the covenant of marriage, giving of yourself in every way with mutual love and respect? If so, please say, I do. You have a part as well, as always. Do all of you, do all of us witnessing these vows promise to uphold Deb and Forrest in their marriage and encourage them in their life together? If so, please say, we do. We do. Wow, have you ever heard such a resounding <laughs> affirmation? Hallelujah. Deb and Forrest, I ask you now to make your vows to one another. Deb, let's begin with you. Repeat after me. Forrest, you are my beloved. Forrest, you are my beloved. And I promise before God and these witnesses to be loving and faithful to you in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow. In sickness, and in, health, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. As as we both live. And Forrest, repeat after me. Deb, you are my beloved. Deb, you are my beloved. And I promise. And I promise. Before God and these witnesses. Before God and these witnesses. To be loving and faithful to you. To be loving and faithful to you. In plenty and in want. In joy and in sorrow, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. As long as we both shall live. Now, Deb and Forrest have already exchanged it. We're not there yet. <laughs> I mean, you can do that whenever you want, but they have already exchanged rings. Well, they've already kissed too, but. They, but they bring other symbols uh, that they will exchange as a sign of their blessings. So first let me pray, and then I'll ask you to put these on one another. Holy One, we ask that you bless these symbols, that they might be visible reminders of this love that has already begun and taken root and begun to flower. We ask that you would help it bloom throughout their whole lives together, that you would hold them and surround them in love. I pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, Forrest, you first this time. Repeat after me. Deb, I give you this flower as a sign of my love, a pledge of my faithfulness, and a symbol of the covenant we make this day, and the life we are growing together. And now, Deb, repeat after me. Forrest, I give you this symbol as a sign of my love, a pledge of my faithfulness, 
and a symbol of the covenant we make this day. And a symbol of the covenant we make this day. And the life we are growing together. And the life we are growing together. Go ahead. Let us pray. Eternal God, thank you for all the ways in which you fill our lives with love, and especially for the love you have given to Deb and Forrest. Bless them in their ongoing life together, that their love for one another may deepen and their trust and trust in you may grow. Give them wisdom in their common life and nurture them in your grace. Make their life together an expression of your own love for this world, that in all expressions of love, your reign would be made visible in the world. Amen. Friends, before God and in the presence of this congregation, Forrest and Deb have made their solemn vows to each other. They have confirmed their promises. I proclaim that now they are married, not only in the eyes of the state, but in the presence of this congregation, which is their community of faith. Forrest and Deb, you may kiss. Forrest and Deb, as God's own, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and patience, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, and crown all these things with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And to all of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May she lift up her countenance to you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Musicians, hit it. As we invite them to recess from this place back into the congregation, I invite us all to share our gifts of God with the offering today. Oh, and I should tell you, as Michael's getting ready, Deb asked me, and I forgive me, Deb, I, I failed. They invite you, of course, to celebrate with them following the service. During the youth barbecue, they've made gorgeous displays of flowers. They're inviting you to make your own uh, bouquet that you could bring home as a sign of love. And they're gently inviting you to also make a donation for each bouquet to the fundraiser for the youth ministry program. So as you stay with us afterwards, please take advantage of that lovely opportunity. And thank you, Deb and Forrest, for the work you put into making that happen. And now. <laughs> Whenever you want. <laughs> Hand, are you okay? Okay. Thank you.
You may be seated. I want to highlight just a few things coming up here in the life of the church. I do invite you to take a look at the back of your bulletin. We've got a lot of stuff there, opportunities to get involved and get plugged in. Uh, one that is not in the bulletin that I want to highlight is that next week, uh, following worship and following the anniversary celebration, our Spiritual Life book group is going to have a social gathering. So if you've been a part of the book group, this is a chance to actually see each other in person rather than over Zoom. Um, if you have not been a part of the book group but are curious about it and want to learn more about our book group, that would be a great time. Uh, so next Sunday, probably about 11.30 after our anniversary celebration. Uh, Rob already mentioned uh, the barbecue and the wedding reception following worship. I do invite you to that. Um, that'll be outside in our garden area and in Finley Hall, just out these doors and to the left. After the barbecue, about 11.45, um, we realized that we have lots of folks in our congregation who are um, caring for aging parents. Um, and so we're going to gather, if that is you, we invite you to gather upstairs in our library for a time just to share, just to share about what's, what's been going on, the joys and the challenges of being in that life situation. So go to the barbecue and then join us in the library after that. Uh, already mentioned small group dinner signups. Again, lots of stuff happening. Check out the bulletin. Ask us if you have any questions about any of it. 
Now, Jim Buggy was going to be here to share about our capital campaign, but unless he's hiding in plain sight, I don't see him. Make yourself known now, Jim. No, I don't think he's here. So instead, Rob's going to give us just a brief update. I'll simply do my best to say what I think Jim probably would have said, and I'll be as brief as possible so we can get on with the joy of the day. But this is a joyful thing as well. We're essentially at the conclusion, at least of the active phase of our capital campaign. That should feel good, right? <laughs> no more. No more asking, no more speeches. We just get to rest in the, in the generosity of this congregation. And you all as a congregation have been extraordinarily generous. Just to quickly remind you, remember this is the second campaign that was required for this glorious renovation and expansion of the church property. And it has been enormously successful, is what I'll say to you. We'd originally set a, uh, a baseline goal of $750,000 with a stretch goal of $1.1 million, which would retire the entirety of the debt that was necessary to complete that project. You'll get a letter soon, all of you, even those of you who have given, which will say, first of all, thanks, uh, if you've already given, and second of all, an update of where we are, and then third of all, a gentle invitation, if you've yet to contribute, to prayerfully consider, uh, consider contributing. I'll say now that, again, the folks have been incredibly generous. Uh, as of a couple of days ago, we were closing in on within striking distance of $1 million. And so the finish line is in sight of 1.1. If folks who've yet to contribute, who can contribute, could, could do that, we could get all the way there together. And what a sign of your love for this church and one another that would be. So thank you for opening that letter, first of all, and reading it and receiving the thanks that it offers. We don't do that enough. Allow yourself to be congratulated and thanked because you deserve it. You've worked very hard and you've given very sacrificially and you should be thanked for that. That's really all I have to say. Again, you'll be hearing from us soon, but most of the work is done and we're so overjoyed. And with that, let's share our joy together with our closing hymn, number 802.
Friends, any act of love is an act of resistance to all that would threaten to pull us into another way of being. So go forth from this place encouraged in your and our collective journey of love. And as you go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.